Did you realize that in 1844, uh, Samuel Morse, who invented Morse code, Mm -hmm. sent out a spiritual message for the very first time? No. Did you know that he uh, he sent the first Morse code message from the chambers of the U.S. Supreme Court in 1844, and he typed the words, What hath God wrought? <laughs> Why are you laughing at I Samuel Morse? This is so old. But where did he, where did he send it to? Yeah, they didn't say. Like, he just sent it out. I mean, okay. if, if he invented it and he sent out the first Morse code message, I don't think anybody got it. Right? I mean, yeah, you have to have a receiving end. <laughs> if you just, that would be kind of silly. Yeah. And he used a word we had to bring back. Where, what happened to the good old word rot? Mm-hmm. W R O G H T. Try oh, using that yeah. today at work. Anyone listening, if you do so, uh, I'll be proud of you. I have nothing to give you. I just, I'll be proud of you. Just let me <laughs> know you job. did it. What <laughs> hath God wrought? Look at this Excel sheet that I have wrought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you what? You brought? No, I wrought. Okay, so, um, but after he typed those words, missionaries, I don't know if you know this, hailed it widely as the key to global evangelism. What? Morse code, yeah. In 1847, Congregationalist missionary Cyrus Hamlin even presented the Morse code technology to Abdulmasid I, Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, as a reason he should convert to Christianity. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like... Okay, I know the whole like theology has held you back, Sultan. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> what? What hath God wrought? <laughs> yeah. It, I don't think it convinced him. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable, that's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is just hit that subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Christians have been excited about technology for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. Long, long time. There was some apprehension about radio, though, early on. Did you know that? Yes. I know. You, Of course you do. <laughs> You've like been, you, you knew Marconi or whatever. Yeah. That we, invented the radio. Was it like similar to TV? It's, it's uh, what is it, the devil's box? Is that what they would call it? Sort of. So uh, Moody Radio was one of the very first Christian uh, radio organizations. And people were very concerned that Moody Bible Institute would be dabbling in radio because yeah. of course the devil is the prince of the power of the air radio waves are in the air ergo satan wow mm-hmm. well i mean i you know bad theology pervades in every generation yes sure and the moody bible institute was like okay no, no. <laughs> yeah. and then 1926 launched uh, wmbi uh, in chicago and we weren't too far behind in the 50s, depending yeah. on how you define too far behind. Okay? So, uh, with all that in mind, technology as well has been advancing big time. The day that Apple first opened its store, a year and a half after the, the, the release of the iPhone in 2007, yeah. Life.Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, launched a free Bible app called Uversion. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. The very first day of the App Store. That's cool. Uversion Bible app released. 
And the software was downloaded 83,000 times in three days on the App Store. What year was this again? This would have been 2007. Okay. Uh, last year, the app surpassed more than 500 million downloads. Wow. The Bible software, however, I don't know if you know this, it remains a ministry of the church. The ongoing innovation and development is supported by donations. Hmm. Like you versions not making money on downloads or whatever. They're right. supporting the whole thing on donations. Mm-hmm. But something about that whole system is starting to change. I don't know how I feel about it, and I need your advice. Okay. Whether I should feel... I kind of felt like I needed a little bit of a shower after I read something. Wow, is that Ooh. bad? I'm melodramatic. Yeah, though, right, 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 right. <laughs> so I'll know. tell you what's going on, the latest trend here in uh, Christians and technology in just a minute. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener-supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. So I saw an article from Christianity Today that I walked away feeling kind of icky from, and I want you guys to t- talk me off the ledge here. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. I want to be wrong that this feels weird Ooh, to we me. We love that kind of job. We'll yeah. do that. You're wrong, Brian. That's right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. i got a lot of problems, so I mean, it's, it would not surprise me. Right. I'm yeah, wrong. Wait, that's I'm wrong. Right. Stop it. I'm wrong. <laughs> Don't use my words against me. <laughs> but no, no, so Christians for years have used technology for the, the advancement of the gospel and for the, you know, the encouragement of believers. Mm-hmm. One example in modern day being the YouVersion Bible app, which right. is supported by donations. So nobody's like swimming like Scrooge McDuck in a giant vat of money because people are downloading the Bible. Yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, I like that. So in 2021, though, according to Christianity Today, venture capitalists poured more than $175 million into a handful of software companies developing spirituality tools for smartphones, betting big that tech startups can find a way to make a profit off of prayer, daily devotion, scripture meditation, and Bible reading. Prayer and spirituality apps aren't new. They've existed uh, almost as long as smartphones, this article says, but they didn't attract this much capital until recently. And for those who don't know, Janelle, you helped me figure out, I mean, people will be shocked to know I'm not a venture capitalist. What? What are you doing? (laughs) Man. For those who are not in that world of business, what is that again? A venture capitalist. So there are people or companies who invest in new business ventures and they provide capital either for startup businesses that show a lot of promise Mm -hmm. or expansion. And promise in making them a profit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically, yeah. So they're, they're like, you go to them and you go, I'd like a lot of money to start this company That's because right. I promise if you do that, you'll make money on the deal. We should start a business and look for venture capitalists. capitalists. Well, <laughs> yeah. we already it's, failed based on that pitch. Right? Yeah. It's basically the Shark Tank people. Yeah. You know, there if you, you go. want to think of it that way. Yeah. Ten years ago, the amount of venture funding invested in religious apps was negligible coming in at less than $100,000. Basically nothing when it comes to investments. Yeah, right. By 2016, the number had climbed to $6 million, and by 2019, 
tech investors put about $1.30 out of every $10,000 they invested in startups into religious apps. Mm. Mm. Last year, as tech startup funding grew to a record $600 billion, whoa, investors put nearly $3 out of every $10,000 toward religious apps. Why are you smiling like that, it's a, You could say, wow, that's a dramatic increase, you know, over 100% increase, but it's still like... Okay, we went from one penny to two pennies. Right. It's really, you know, a pittance of what they're investing. In terms of the overall investments from venture capitalists, yeah. absolutely. However, $175 million invested in apps for people to pray and read the Bible and such and do devotions. That that was the dollar amount in 2021. So that sounds a little bit more impactful than the $3 yeah. out of yeah. 10000 you know? So their overall investment must be in the billions. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Wow. Yeah. The two big winners of these investments, mm-hmm. like the, the biggest recipients, okay. are Hallow and Glorify. Hallow is a Catholic app that's partnered with mm-hmm. about 250 parishes across the country, but targets people who stopped going to church. They received about $50 million. Wow. Hmm. Glorify is an app that promises to help users develop a daily worship habit. It's like, we're going to help you worship every day. Mm-hmm. They were able to raise... $40 million in investments. Wow. To think that if you went through the app store now, you could probably find 30, 50 apps that would follow that same description. Right. Yeah. But I mean, likely their user experience isn't that great. Or yeah. right. So Ed Beekle, the one of the co-founders of Glorify, he said, it's just a ridiculously exciting time. I feel like I'm constantly pinching myself. Well, yeah, you've got tens of millions of dollars to invest in your app. Part of the rush of funding, maybe due to COVID, they write, the pandemic drew attention to how much regular religious practice could uh, be moved online. But investors clearly believe religion apps will continue to be popular long after the pandemic. They also interviewed Connie Chang. She's Mm -hmm. an investor at a venture capitalist firm in Silicon Valley. She said, one thing that I've always thought deeply about is, how do I find investments that are tied to what people deem to be a core part of their identity? Ugh. Oh, wow. She said, when you look at these communities, that's us, by the way, mm-hmm. that people strongly identify with, that's where they spend most of their time. That's where you get long-term retention. Wow. Which means long-term, she didn't say this, but mm-hmm. profit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then finally, when you hear from, again, this uh, Mr. Beekle from Glorify, he said, I've come at it from a lot of different angles, and one is very much an emotional level and my own beliefs around faith. Then there's the other one. It's the most incredible commercial opportunity. The app is free to download, so here's how their profit scheme's going to work. Okay. It's a subscription. Like, you can use it. You can download it for free and use the basic version for free. Okay. Which is probably, like, totally worthless. Like and then most a bunch of those. Of, you think a bunch of commercials? No. The other uh, what they're going to do is you can pay $7 a month for Hallow and then Glorify will be about $7 per month. Okay. But if you calculate that, the company would gross about $4.2 million, even if 2% of the downloads pay for 12 months. Wow. They grossed $4.2 million. All right. Brian, calm down. Just stop it. <laughs> the people are going to worship God. That's good. Mm-hmm. I feel icky. Should I... Tell me to stop it. No. The only thing I see... Number one, I'm wondering, for those who don't download it, if it's going to be flooded with 
because that's what happens like let's say youtube music or youtube if you don't have the paid version then you got to sit and watch a bunch of commercials Mm -hmm. which like for the bible app you don't so i'm wondering if that's going to change the experience for those who don't get the subscription well the 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 bible app as far as i know will not change at all because it's still going to be donor based that's how for these other christian ones is it going to change because that's a totally different experience now if i don't get the subscription now i'm flooded with commercials that, that's my understanding is that they're, they'll likely make it so because they want to funnel people yeah. into that because yeah. they have venture capitalists who are looking exactly. for a return on their investment they need to make money to pay what, them back the only thing that I, I can think of is not so much the the funding's bad but whenever money's involved the potential now of corruption you know so it's not so much the money just itself it's just whenever there's yeah. money and profit it's just the potential of that. Help me, Ron. I, You're going to calm me down. I hate to say it, but I think they're going to lose their shirts. Because the investors? Yeah. Because I don't know how many people use the apps as your daily devotion, your your time with the word. And, yeah, or your, your means to worship every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Get out the app. It's time to worship. Yeah. Not even New Version and Bible app, which are like huge. Yeah. I mean, we use it, but... Right. I, I could see it being something people would dabble a little bit and, and fall away. What's one of the biggest problems people say in their, in their walk with the Lord is they're having that steady, consistent time of reading the, the word and prayer. Yeah that it's so easy for that to slip away you get busy you want to get an early start on work whatever so this would just be another example of something that would go by the wayside and their 40 million would be spent and gone and yet could they find people that will subscribe to it sure like you're right i don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it'll it's catch on per se right right okay but okay so at the same time like if there's, if there's a Christian author and they write a book mm-hmm. and it's successful, I think it's appropriate that they make a profit on yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if I, I think pastors should be paid well for what mm-hmm. they do. They should be paid a competitive salary so they can have healthy family lives and support their mm-hmm. families. So I don't like when they've got like giant mansions with indoor pools and such. I think that's right. inappropriate to make that kind of profit off of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But I think the scripture is clear about, you know, you don't want to muzzle an ox while it's threshing. Like yeah. it's okay to make a profit. Paul talked about that mm-hmm. very specifically. I think many people working in ministry, like, I don't know, radio should not have to be destitute. Okay. Right. Amen. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the idea of seeking out tens of millions of dollars from venture capitalists who expect you to turn a profit and to make like a big profit from a for-profit company off of people worshiping Jesus it feels icky to me. What's so different about the ex- compared to the examples you brought up? That's a really important question. By the way, side note, uh, D.L. Moody, uh, when I, I read a book about, it's called A Passion for Souls by Lyle Dorsett, yeah. uh, about Moody's life, he, when he established the Institute, paid people above average for their positions oh, wow. of the average going salary in the, in the secular world. He wanted yeah. the top-notch people to be compensated well for what they do, and yeah. I feel really good about that. But here's where I'm coming from on this. Okay, a pastor should be compensated well for what they do, so they're not destitute. Yeah. Um, but I think when you talk about venture capitalists being sought out by app developers who are believers to pour tens of millions of dollars into apps that are designed to help us in our spiritual life, 
the primary goal is going to be returning the profit. Yeah. When profit's the goal, you have a lot of room for issues to come up. Yeah. Like if, if someone's struggling to get a profit, they might start cutting corners or doing things inappropriate. It's my understanding these have to be for-profit companies, right? So mm-hmm. what my other discomfort is someone getting fabulously wealthy out of helping people worship. Yeah, we've seen that, that with feels books, though. Gross. We have seen that with Christian books, though. Yeah, but and, I mean, even pastors. I'm just saying, we've seen it with books. But if you look at, for example, one of the one of the bigger Christian examples of this purpose driven life, right? Yeah, that really didn't do well the first year or two, hmm. and it ultimately did super well. But if you talk to Rick Warren, he wasn't like he didn't go to a publisher and go, "Listen, we're all going to make a lot of money on this," mm-hmm. right? Like he really had a an idea he thought was worth sharing. He yeah. found a publisher that was willing to probably give him a little bit of money to for his time, and it took off. I don't have all the details in place, but he's known to be a re- reverse tither. Yeah. Where he's keeping 10% and giving away 90% and still doing real well, keep yeah. in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the benefits, though, of trying to create a profit in this context of apps is that it's more motive to make it a product of value. Better benefit. quality? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, I see that people actually want to use it. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. Yes, because I, I've certainly been a one critical over the years of the icky phrase of, oh, well, it's good enough for Jesus. Exactly. Which is an excuse we use yeah. when Christians do poor art or yeah. poor whatever, because yeah. we aren't willing to invest in it. Yeah. Like most of the Christian movies that yeah. have come out. I was going to bring that up, yeah. <laughs> you know, aside from the Chosen TV yeah. series, yeah. a lot of them are just predictable, unrealistic. When they go, boring. check it out. We used volunteers. Yeah. And you yeah. go, is that what Hollywood does to create great films? So, okay. Volunteers? <laughs> Using that example, I don't know what Dallas Jenkins is doing with The Chosen, mm-hmm. but part of the problem with Christian products in the sense of like movies or apps Mm -hmm. is the lack of resources and capital to make something good and of value. So I'm thinking of a Dallas Jenkins. Let's say you got a, this happens a lot. I'm imagining with Christians, if you got gifts for, for this kind of thing and you got a great idea, you don't have the backing of Hollywood. So to get capitalists to invest in Christian ventures like this, you can end up with things of good quality like The Chosen. You know, so you want saying, good actors, so you got to pay them well. Like, that, hasn't that been an issue? Yes. And I'm listening and trying to, because, again, I'd like to be wrong about yeah. this. So it's possible, you're saying, and I don't know anything about it, that it could cost $40 million to create a quality app and the right, uh, right. you know, infrastructure yeah. behind mm-hmm. it to deal with a lot of users and subscribers. You can get Christian Silicon Valley, you know, like the equivalent, because now you can hire really smart computer people, <laughs> to, you know, right. to, to join you in this. But it should it cost $40 million to help to worship? Well, cost $40 million for... A whole bunch of people yeah, to worship. 500 million people to, you know, they're looking at that big scale. Yeah. yeah. And and another idea that I thought of was in the in the early years of Christian music, you had basically Word Records and Sparrow Records. Mm-hmm. They were the two main labels and then 
they had sub-labels below them for different genres. But as Christian music became more popular, the secular labels moved in and said, you know what? We're going to create a sub-label of ours that's going to be for the CCM market and take that. So yeah. the secular moved in and, and took over to the point where Word and Sparrow, I think both closed up or either maybe were bought out. Um, and book publishers, the same. A lot of secular publishers moved in and said, you know what? I see some of these books really making some money. Let me be the one making money. And and in the same way, they're profiting, but also the the publications getting out there yeah. you know, much wider. So then you're saying if if the right person's in leadership, this could be a wonderful thing where it benefits everyone. Yeah. If you've written your contracts well so that they give you money and have no control, <laughs> then, then you're okay. Bren in North Canton, what are your thoughts? I think it's about intention and technique. So if I want to write something that I think would be good for people to read to come to God, my intention is to promote the gospel and to spread the word. And so the intention is there, and I don't care about the money because money doesn't go with us. And so my goal is to, my intent is to spread the word. I don't think that that's the intent for these people that are creating these apps. <laughs> and that leads me to technique. Technique is what we use for apps, which are low-level persuaders that work on people's values. And to me, there's a thread that they can keep threading in that we don't have control of when it's for profit. So they're going to do whatever it takes technique-wise without good intentions that's a problem for me. So I'm with Brian on it, that I think that it's a, a risk. Yeah, and that this could be similar. Thank you, Bren. Yeah. Love hearing from North Canton. Lots of thoughts coming in. Paul says, I agree with Brian. It doesn't feel right. Many, if not most, of the investors probably will not even be believers. I think it's better to use the model of the chosen movie or church that is free will offerings. Somebody else texted, Paul talked about still being happy when non-Christians were sharing the gospel, even right. though their hearts were not behind it. Christ was still being preached. Right. And that's a really good point. There is there's definitely a portion where people were concerned that there were people just preaching the gospel to make money mm -hmm. in Paul's time. And he was like, who cares why they're doing it, as long as the gospel's preached? So maybe that is another, another way to look at it. I have no idea. I just, I don't know. I, I will always have an issue, a gut issue with someone becoming fabulously wealthy off of the gospel. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead, look down, hit that button right there and subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 